0: Hello and welcome to episode 56 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. Uh, we're back to a full roster this week, so we are today joined by Mr. David Grant. Hello. Uh,
1: good evening, Joe. Uh, good evening, Andy uh, Gref, How are you, Joe? Today?
0: I'm not too bad, mate. I'm I'm aching after a, a nice spinning session at the gym. Um, I don't yeah. know how you feel. Uh, big session today, weren't it? <laughs> it was a big session. Big session. Witness the fitness. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Got him yeah. sat down now, and not on yeah. the bike. Not on a bike, that's the key thing. That is definitely the key thing. <laughs> um, Gref, the toothless wonder, as always, how are we doing, mate?
2: I'm pretty good, thanks. I mean, all that fitness for you guys will do well for Saturday.
0: It will. I mean, Dave's a goalie, so he doesn't really need fitness. But yeah, fair play.
2: He's uh, scoring goals now.
0: <sighs> scoring goals. Scoring goals in a 10-0 forfeit.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> Brilliant brilliant and last but not least the mysterious Andy Stafford I said mysterious last week I'm sticking with it I still don't know why he's mysterious but Andy how are we doing mate uh,
3: I'm not bad thanks yeah um I, I did try and join last week but it was, was ignored
1: so. I think I think it was more the fact that um you didn't send your paperwork in in time um but uh you've got no, a good excuse you. I'll ask a question did you have
3: a good birthday last week it was it was good, thank you. Yeah, cheers. To be
0: fair, we made it up to you by naming episode 55 in homage to your birthday.
3: You did, and yeah. I really really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank Yeah>. You <laughs> know, yin and yang, you, you lose with
1: one and with you gain with the
3: other. So
1: <laughs> 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 we're fine
0: with we're in McDonald's. It's all right. And swiftly drawing a line <laughs> yes, under no, that it's one. <laughs> um important weekend i think in relation to the title race and we'll discuss the title race later on uh the running up to that however um over the last week since we last spoke uh it's been a zero point weekend for the cardiff devils 5-4 to the steelers in cardiff and then 5-2 to dundee in dundee um that one also got david winning the predictions but moving swiftly on from that um it was a four-point weekend for Sheffield for them to retain top position for now. 5-4 um, against Cardiff, as I just said, and then 4-1 against Belfast in their own building. Uh, but hot on the tails as well, a four-point weekend for Nottingham. 3-2 win in overtime against Glasgow and then a 3-2 win against Fife. Um, I think we were all watching flash scores on that one. Or Dave, you, me and, and Andy at least were watching flash scores for the Devils and Panthers scores and it certainly looked to be going the right way at one point. Panthers managed to pull it back in the last dying seconds, I think of that game, wasn't it?
1: I think like 17 seconds where the game when it was scored.
0: Yeah, definitely a uh, on the edge of your seat game. Um, I'll ask you guys, what, what were your highlights from the weeks just gone?
1: Uh, my highlight was the the Cardiff Sheffield game, and not because Sheffield finally won in Cardiff. Um, it was it, 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 yeah, we'll go with that. But a uh, belt of a game that were two. If it was a boxing match. That were your heavyweights. That were your classic heavyweight battle, toe to toe from start to end. Great plays from both sides. Um, you know, plenty of goals, plenty of moves, plenty of uh, interesting calls. However, I thought I, I must praise the referees as well. As much as I've just said that, they allowed the players to decide who won the game. Um, it weren't a constant whistle, penalty whistle, so, so fair play to the pair of them. And there was also an EBL ref um, doing the game with Hogarth, I just can't remember his name, but absolute classic game. I've, I've not seen as good a game um, in the Elite League, full stop, uh, for, a couple, for a couple of years, in fairness, and probably the playoff final against Jeffrey Cardiff, so no coincidence that them two teams give absolute belting games, so that's my highlight.
0: Yeah, just before you guys kick in, I mean, to be fair, that was a the referee in that game, I feel like we need to to touch on that to be fair I mean it was absolutely belting they just they really did just let the game flow Um, I think we said a couple of times Dave there were a couple of penalties that they seemed to call that seemed soft in comparison to other calls that they weren't making Uh, But I think that was kind of just a stamp in the authority every so often just to remind players that they were going to keep control of the game as well Um, but on the whole a brilliant
1: I'd Appreciate go with that it. as well. I mean, yeah, there were some that were called where you think you've allowed that to go, and that, but then you kind of sit back and reflect on the game. Actually, it allowed that game to flow um, and the the pace of the game as well. Um, I'll say that for both sides. They weren't. They, at not one point did you think these teams are tiring, even to the final minute. Um, so yeah, fair play to referees. Hug off. We'll give him some praise. Um, he's uh, many fans not a fan of him, but we'll give him some praise uh, for his performance. Both teams. Um much as Cardiff won't be happy, but put in a good performance and it was a joy to watch. And even if Sheffield lost, um that'd have been a great game to watch. Uh so that was definitely my highlight.
0: Coming up later, Dave argues with Andrew Lord about whether it was a good game. <laughs> <laughs> the referee
2: was Christian Offner. Thank you. Alright. <laughs> and that's Gress' highlight of the week. <laughs> Now, my highlight, it doesn't include Cardiff, but it's Dundee winning 5-2 against Cardiff. A prediction I don't think any of us are coming that I can think of. But 5-2, a, not a, a good weekend for Bounds, getting... OK, you get it right then, Dave. Okay. Not a good weekend for Bounds, getting five goals passed in one night and then five goals another night. The only person to got on the score sheet for Cardiff was Luis Sinfornio. I mean, that, that, surprise, play, I think, play to, yeah, that play can get into anyone's team, really, in the Elite League.
0: As a defender as well. Still a shot that Joey Martin didn't make it on the, uh, on the the place of the week, even though he's out injured as well. I, I
1: agree. In fairness, it's, I think it's a Elite League rule. If there's ever a poll vote, he has to be one of the options.
0: <laughs> Always. Always. Do you know what I have to say before we pass this over to Andy for highlights, Dave, the way that you were like literally you looked so smug as soon as Gref said, Oh none of us predicted that, but you still had to check the sheets before you chimed <laughs> up. I'm like, shall I? Hang on. Yes I will. But uh, yeah. Yeah, Joey Andy,
1: Martin all options.
0: Yeah. This is where Andy says his highlights Joey Martin.
3: My highlight um is isn't Joey Martin.
0: Then
3: Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, mine's actually uh, the game that was played yesterday, the Challenge Cup semi-final first leg between Cardiff and Nottingham. I mean, another game where it was uh, where the time was five past pounds, but hey. it's five five is just wow. You just wouldn't expect that for a, for a first leg, especially a semi-final as well. What a what a game that must have been! A, a game where you know, you're wondering, did they even play the goalies at all? Did, you know, was, there, was both teams tactic offence and just no defence? We'll never know. But, yeah, it a 5-5 game. I, I bet it was fantastic for, for the um, fans that watched it. And uh, certainly set us up a very interesting second leg like, in Nottingham.
0: When it takes all game. It's always a good uh, a good thing to see. Um having watched the performance from bounds on the, or at least having watched the goals that went in, it certainly doesn't look like Cardiff played a goalie at times because some of those went straight through him. Um, my highlight does not involve Cardiff, uh, as as the only person who doesn't. Um, Evan Bloodoff's goal against Guildford uh, made it to the top play of the week this week, uh, but I just thought it deserved an extra mention because he just cut through um, Guildford's defence straight from that, straight down the middle, Toe drag straight through the legs, going up against. Uh, I can't remember who their goalie is. Was it Fullerton or Peters? Peters. Was it Peters? Going up against Peters and then just slotted it straight past him. A really, really nice goal. Um, a goal scorer's goal, as much as I hate that phrase, but it really, really was. A great play
3: um, and set himself up nicely. Um, He's clearly been watching Danny Gorty, hasn't he?
0: he's obviously been watching Danny Gautier mate do you know what he's done he's heard how much you praise Danny Gautier and he's thought do you know what I want to be on Stafford stories so I'm going to score a really nice goal um,
1: don't blame him do no, you uh-huh.
0: this is the point where Andy brings out that at least you tried cake when he's not going to be involved in the, in the Stafford stories um, that's next week <laughs> that's next week
3: I'll <laughs> oh, share <shit>, around everyone
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think this is actually a first of the season so far, whether there's in the airport section, we've only had one team involved. Um, it certainly seems to kind of be dying down on numbers as to how many people have been chopped and changed, which is always good to see. But um, well, Manchester in February, yeah, February. yeah, exactly. Uh, but Gref, Manchester still felt the need to uh, to stand out from the crowd and make waves in 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 the airport section. Also like to be different.
2: I. That's we what
3: we've
2: it. I mean, we're playing you guys this weekend. We've got to do something. As long as it's not 7 0 like at Boxing Day.
0: You've got to do something. What that something is is roll over.
2: <laughs> did that Boxing Day? Did you
0: do it again. You did.
2: <laughs> no, thanks. I've already been for one poor game this week. Not again. We're Going back to the airport. we Where are you going? I, uh, Switzerland in 100 and some days I heard you or not Joe
0: No mate, I chose to go to Vegas instead so try and I play know. that card on me mate, it's not going to work <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't, yeah, Probably just as, as expensive as Switzerland's going to be but yeah, the airport for the Elite League <laughs> We've had Kyle Holt leave the Manchester Storm. He requested to leave a few weeks ago, but we we pretty much said no. We can't afford to lose you right now. And then, going off the press release anyway, from what I was reading, and then last weekend, after we played against Fife, he asked again, or well, his agent asked again. And we've allowed him to leave. He's gone over to Denmark, to the federation Whitehearts. probably butchered that name, but my pronunciations are never that great. Ask no, Dave; not. he'll tell you.
1: No, they're not.
2: <laughs> He's. It was a, a surprising one considering every shift he he does, he puts a hundred a hundred percent into it. Even playing as a D man when you are forward. And the first few games, he didn't. It didn't look. You could tell he wasn't a D-man. And then he started to get back in touch play playing a defensive role. Surprised to see him go, but if he's got a, a chance to play in a different country, where they are actually currently trying to fight for the league title, whilst we're just trying to fight for a playoff spot, which. I'm I'm looking forward to it at the moment. It seems to be entertaining. 13 points in 35 games. Hopefully, the new guy that we'll talk about. Hopefully, he can put up some similar points, or probably more. What do you guys think?
0: I don't think it's a great loss. Um, it's always more difficult to read a defender's stats, to be fair, because you, you know you're not you're not just solely looking at goals. Um, you know, from your forwards, you want to see the goals and the assists column showing a nice high amount. Defenders, you can kind of excuse, depending on what kind of style they play. Um, I can't honestly say that he was that standout that I really noticed him when when you guys played Sheffield. Uh, Thirteen points, thirty-five games. As you say pretty average, I would say. I, w- I certainly wouldn't say it's a bad stat. I mean, we're, we're talking just shy of. Point five points per game realistically, um, well, sorry, point three seven points per game, so considerably shy of point five points per game. But a D man minus thirteen, uh, Manchester haven't had the best of seasons, so minus thirteen, maybe not too shabby. Uh, but I, I think the ultimate issue that this has is it's becoming a bit of a war of, it's becoming a bit of a war of attrition between certain teams in the league now, and I think if you'd lost him without having the body to replace, then it would have put you guys in a really awkward position. So I think that's the loss. It's just a loss in a body.
1: Yeah, I'd go with that. Um, didn't set the world alight. Um, and like you mentioned already, Joe, excuse me, um, a defender with as as drastic as a minus rating um, that he had in the league. He, he, Yeah, it obviously didn't work for him, but, you know, fair player to him. He's, he's got another job in, in Europe, um, he may find that suits him better. You sometimes see players go from the elite league to Denmark and actually have better seasons. Last one after mid was um, Mosienko, because couldn't handle the physicality of of the elite league. Went to Denmark again after his uh, suspension, um, and did all right. So it may be a case of that. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you on this one, Joe. It's, it's it's a loss of a body, um, and I think that's as as Dass, it sounds it's not as bad a loss. Whereas it could be with some other players where you may go, that's a bit of a loss for the for the for the Storm. I'm not sure that I'd say the same for this time
3: Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you guys. I mean, it's, it's not a huge loss for them. Uh, very easily replaceable. Uh, stats not bad from a D-man. I'll be completely honest. Uh, but nothing nothing much to shout about. But uh, I will say that I I hope he has has a good time wherever he's going.
0: That's terrible.
3: You you know what, you can just tell while we've been talking he's
2: just been sitting on that. (laughs) Just to point out, he's actually a forward that was playing in D when Negron got injured. Yeah, but if he's still been playing in D though, to be fair. For a month.
0: But yeah. And?
2: You've replaced him with a D. (laughs) That we have indeed. Because we need a date. <laughs> and you can say that in any way you want. <laughs> Mine's out of well. the gutter again. Excellent. What is, what what is Just Joe, seeing your faces. You're face,
3: you listening to my friend Sam podcast. <laughs>
0: Sports <laughs> desk.
3: <laughs> Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, replacement defender that you have, uh, Gref, for that forward that you've lost.
2: I mean, he could have been a swing guy, to be fair. The right swing guy, Stafford.
3: (laughs) Are you sure he's the right
2: one? don't know, you tell me. What happens if you play (laughs) centre? Stafford. That'd be the hashtag. So this new defender. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually played in the league before he played last season for MK. It's Ivan C you You a what? Wait. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Cijan. laughs> uh, I'm not the announcer, it's fine. And I'm not on comms either. You just get to see my face on a webcast, it's better.
0: Nah, mate. Honestly, your webcast looks like some kind of Picasso painting. It's like it's been recorded on a potato. So,
2: so this new up, defender. Uh, I'm on, I'm on. More like the scream. Well, yeah, this new defender, Ivan Tijan. Played 39 games last season for Milton Keynes. 15 points. Minus 23, which is the season Milton Keynes had last year. That's actually not too bad. Going off what people were saying from MK that we we've seen on our forum, it was they couldn't speak highly and not highly enough of him. He's actually a workhorse. He'll actually do well for you. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play his first game on Saturday against you guys, and then on Sunday against Dundee. He's played he's played under Aaron Fox before. Well. When he was at Zagreb, that's mainly where he's played for for most of his career, minus a few stints in the E-B- EBEL for Ljubljana. And then Denmark, Division 2 in Sweden and Norway. He looks should hopefully be a decent player for us, as a body at least.
1: Yeah, you know, when I saw the signing first of all and, and, and looked very briefly at his stats, I was of the mindset of it. it's just another body. And in fairness, me and Joe mentioned it um, before we record this. But you actually, dig a bit deeper into his stats, it's actually not too bad um, a signing in, in the context of you know his, his defensive the, the plus minus. I mean, like I said, it's it actually plus. It was minus twenty three, but over thirty nine games. For Milton Keynes last year, so that's not too bad, and considering their season, they had, um, you know, stints in Sweden, Denmark, Austria, uh, so- Slovenia in EBL, um, and obviously represented Croatia um, at, at the at junior under eighteen and twenty, and senior. Um, so you know, I I, I re- looking again, it's more than just a body. I think this is a, an upgrade. Um, you know, I think you've, you've now, you guys have now got a bit more hope um, with this signing. So couldn't help yourself, could you? you just could of
0: course not. Because
1: <laughs> you weren't thinking the same.
0: Um, I just hope we can move on from this. There
1: we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, if I'm honest, I think this is an upgrade. Um, and yeah, it's a timely signing um, for for the Manchester Storm.
3: Yeah. Uh... Again, not much I can really add to it. I, I, I think he, you know he's he's, he's got a decent resume on him. Uh, again, he's, an, he's another body that's coming in. Uh, I think it will make a bit more impact than than probably what Kyle Hope did. Uh, my interest to see is that how he will how he will do because I believe that like he's not played yet this season. Uh, so I'd be interested to see if, 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 if now he, he he settles in quick and uh, and and gets through in the right direction straight away. Uh, but, yeah, from last season played in Milton Keynes, uh, I believe he came in uh, initially on, on a short-term uh, loan for injured uh, Martin Mazanets, so he could cover him, but end up uh, proving quite a big asset for MK, actually, and uh, and end up staying for, for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a good, you know, good defensive side of him. He's not the best of point scorers, but, you know, it's not all about point scoring. It's about you know those stay-at-home man, uh, and, and just you know, just helping the goalie out, clearing clearing the screens in front of the net, things like that. So I think he is going to add an element uh, that that storm that storm need. You know that, that that defensive actual defensive side. So be interested to see how how he does.
0: Yeah, I think it's important not to read too much into his stats for MK, to be fair. I mean, we, we all know the kind of season that MK had, um, you know, and uh, there was obviously a lot of noise going on about what was going on behind the scenes, particularly towards the latter part of the season. Uh, I think ultimately, 20, minus 23 and 39 games, um, you know, 15 points, it's not bad, Um I mean, you look at the you look at the stats for MK. I mean, their their worst plus minus in the team was Andreas Valdix. He played 57 games, got 46 points, and still ended up with a plus minus of minus 43. So I think if anything, that that paints you a picture as to kind of how little weight the plus minus of last season for a player from MK holds. Um, he's got a big hockey CV when you scroll down elite prospects but a lot of the time that involves a couple of teams a season at least um, so he is a player that likes to, to move around here and there um, probably suggests that he's, he's got a bit more um, experience in learning to settle down quite quickly and learning to play with his teammates quite quickly so that could be a good, a good asset for him to have um, but yeah ultimately another wait and see signing but um, he's played in some decent leagues and as we say the most important thing for Manchester is they've got another body on that blue line now. Um, We'll move on from the airport. Manchester airport is now closed. Um, We'll for now. move for now. We'll move to Dops and I'll throw it over to you, Dave, Dave, first. I think you're, you've got the Sheffield one. This was one that came as a bit of a surprise on game day. Um, Yeah. Tell you, us about that one.
1: Yeah. The, in fairness, both from Dops were, from saturday's game day it was a uh, kind of a bolt of the blue both have been announced so uh brennan connolly received a game ban uh for cross-checking uh in the game against cardiff um now when it was announced uh before seeing the video i couldn't wrap my brains but in watching the video highlights um of from the elite league my apologies it's a bit of a daft move uh, from uh connolly what's happened battle in front of the net has, you know, defensemen forward to this hack and whack and slash. Um, and then he's moved on to the next person who's gone to him, but it's rose to the head. And as soon as you have any, um, any contact with the head area, you're going to start looking at bands. Um, I think one, a game was about right. Um, although Cardiff, uh, their, uh, social media warriors were wanting more bands. Um, I suppose you've got to try and get some when you've lost to Sheffield. Um, uh, but now I felt that a game was was sufficient um what I have to say is some of the descriptions from um, the elite league in terms of why the ban and fair play um to the league there the reasoning the rationale is good I didn't follow it a little bit because they're saying that the guy who coming in was a little bit um, unsuspecting so if you're going into the crease area where the the, the battle is happening you're not suspecting anything i don't 100 percent buy that if truth be told um however um it weren't a malicious say again it was a malicious cross-check it went a, a nasty a dangerous one um but it was it was a daft for, for conley to get himself involved in that and as soon as any contact with the head i suppose a game it's probably that sufficient um and i'll throw it to you guys
0: yeah, it was quite funny to see um, the reaction of some of our fans and kicking off and kind of going with the knee-jerk reaction of, oh, what? oh yeah, it's, it's, it's Cardiff's way of trying to stop us from winning the game. Oh, it's Cardiff up to the usual tricks. They can't stand that they've lost. Um, and then you watch the video and go, actually, he's just cross-checked somebody straight across the face. <laughs> I think... Um, Ultimately, A, it isn't a bad thing that Cardiff have done that. I think I think we would do the same in the same boat. I think Belfast would do the same in the same boat. Particularly, I mean, for a start, if your guy's being cross-tripped in the face, you want to see the guy get what he deserves as a punishment. But also, when it's the guys that you're going toe-to-toe for for the, for the league championship with, why would you not? Um, Belfast have kind of slipped in form a bit. Belfast are a little bit further down in the rankings but have also proven themselves to be able to contest with the top team. So if anybody kind of had their best chance of, of widening or, or, or giving themselves a bit, of, you know, closing down that gap by trying to get that ban on the Steelers top point scorer against, against Belfast. So, a, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that anyway. Um, but as I say, I mean, yeah, he cross shakes a guy across the face. It's about as clean court as you can get. Um, strange that it wasn't called on the night. Um, and it was quite clear when you watched the, I mean, I, I, we were watching from the video, but it was quite a clear um, issue, quite a, quite a clear... We'll go with mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake. We know what kind of hockey Connolly plays at times, but uh, it was quite a clear mistake. But yeah, I agree with you, Dave, just that some of the wording was just a bit daft. Like the whole... Um, he cross-checked Jardine, which started an altercation with a player who wasn't on the puck. Well, that's irrelevant. Because you've just said it doesn't need supplementary discipline. And it was a cross-check to the back in front of the net, which is a standard play in hockey. Most of the time doesn't even get two minutes. So why bring that in? And then you get the... um, Morrison was skating towards the puck, which was behind Connolly at the time of contact. No, Morrison was more than likely going to skate in and confront him about the fact that he's just cross-checked over Sam Jardine. It certainly didn't look like he was going to come over and give him a handshake. So... Well, yeah, I think Dobbs have got it right. The, the dis- description probably a little bit inconsistent with what actually happened, but ultimately one match ban I think is probably about right.
2: Maybe it was going to give him a
0: hug. Could have been.
1: You never know. Possible. I'm sport
0: you, and with all that, you could say he was hoping for a hug. Oh, God. I'm just going to carry it on now. Why not? Real shocked at you doing that, mate. This is the point where the Abba references just really randomly come back in. <laughs> let's, a, let's
1: avoid it's
2: really it. Like a, someone's going to have like a, a hope, cam, like a counter. How many times do you say hope? No. No,
0: we're going to have that for Abba not,
2: references. Not us, not us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coming back to the, the Connolly incident, it was... I think it's just like a a lapse in stupidity a little bit. I mean, yeah, Morrison's taller than Connolly, but but as soon as he's come towards him, he's just going, you know what, I don't even want the hug. Take your hug away from me, and I'm just going to give you a nice tap in the face with my stick. Maybe he just did it because he didn't like
0: the fact that his parents couldn't spell Shane or Sean. (laughs) Had to go with Sean.
2: Maybe so. Maybe he's not a fan of...
0: His name is literally the phonetic spelling of the Michael McIntyre joke, isn't it? Sean.
2: Sorry, go on. Maybe he's just not a fan of the fact that Shane has played in the the player. In the NHL. Who knows? Well, that rules out him playing for Buffalo, then. He did play for Buffalo. Burn. Just in the
0: playoffs. Last played in the playoffs.
2: Hold on. Was wasn't it?
0: it? Wasn't it Morrison, whose yep. last appearance in the NHL was also the last appearance for Buffalo in the playoffs?
2: Correct.
0: <laughs> what a coincidence. That meme
1: crops up. It's been 84 years. Um... <laughs>
0: Followed by the well, we're waiting.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just just very very careless, reckless, whatever you, you want to put it. Well,
0: it you got to choose. on is it category one or category two?
3: I put category three.
0: Oh. But,
3: um, yeah, just. I think it's just a moment where, where you know, he he saw Morrison come come towards him and uh, just just sort of freaked a bit, put the stick up and got in between the uh, chin and the neck, which you know definitely deserves a banner And I, I think one game is is sufficient for that one. Um, it's it's just a shame with Conley because he's one of the top scorers, top point scorers in the, in in the, in the whole league, and yet he has these just lapses of just stupidity and, and you just think well he, you know if, if he hadn't been like that then he, he could be way out in front in terms of points right now but you know he's I guess just a player he is he you know he's not got the level list of heads but you know I just yeah Dot's done well to you know to, to assess it and, and in my opinion given the right sort of the right discipline requirements in, in one game and the uh, I don't blame Andrew Lord at all for requesting the review I think any team would have done that especially with you know the position that Steelers are in now and not with them playing Belfast next night so yeah I totally get it and um, I think Dops have made a good decision on, on, on that one and I'd, I'm just hoping to God that you know Conley just just snaps out of this you know stupid just stupid because there's no need for it yeah, yeah you're the smallest good guys but you know deal by it in the right way and just don't go for cheap shots
0: it's quite interesting to look at the stats on it i mean the top three stats in the top three point scorers statistically in the league currently it, first is sam her uh, second is connolly and third is valorand and um sam has played 34 games 44 points 24 penalty minutes Uh, Valorand has played 29 games, 40 points and 41 penalty minutes. Um, So her and Valorand putting up... uh, I've just lost where I was then. Her and Valorand collectively putting up 65 penalty minutes between the two of them. Brendan Connolly, 37 games, 43 points, 76 penalty minutes. So he has more penalty minutes than her and Valorand collectively. Um, I think it kind of shows you what kind of... uh, as you say, those lapses in uh in discipline and those those moments of stupidity really come through. Um Andy, we will we'll stick with you on that one to be fair, because the next suspension that was handed out by DOPS was for um the Broldozer, as his nickname is, but I don't think he's uh, he's <laughs> maybe not in this
3: in this situation. No, uh well Yeah, definitely one that I'd uh... A very very reckless driver at the helm. But... <laughs> yeah, just just a very bad. Tonight, <laughs> wow. It was a, it was a very very bad move from Brawl uh, chasing Dundee's uh, Riley O'Connor. Saw Riley go, going towards Puck at the uh, far far corner of the board. He literally has his eye on the whole time. Uh, Riley goes around the net with the puck. Uh, Brawl's right behind him, chasing him. Uh, Riley then cuts towards a corner, and then Brawl just absolutely s- just steamrolls boards him. And yeah, very lucky to get two games. Very lucky to get that. I, I-, I think probably should have been should have been more cause he was right. He was right in the numbers, uh, right on the boards, and it looked pretty nasty injury. uh as well from, from O'Connor, so yeah, um, just very, very stupid. No need for it. they so I'll give it a say on it.
1: I'm with you, mate, in respect of, I think he's lucky he's only got two games, and I think for me, the reason why I think he's lucky is the chasing element of the play. Had he been just gone in and, and, and charged, for of a better phrase, yeah, I yeah, probably two games yeah but he's kind of borderline hunted him down not across the whole um the whole ring but around the play he's literally his movement and gone round to, to finish the hits and, and build momentum i think that bit alone uh i think he's lucky it's two games i after seeing seen the video with what we've seen so far i would be looking at more from from adoptive perspective more four or five games but um you no know, it's been ruled as that I think Brawl's lucky. His first game back is Sunday against Sheffield. So, you know, at least he's back um, for a home game. But yeah, I think he's lucky. I thought there's was enough, much more for me to say on that one.
0: I think this is just ultimately another bout of stupidity. Um, it's a thoughtless play, as you say. He's tracked the, uh, the Dundee player right around the boards. Um, I don't know. It's kind of the thing you expect sometimes from players with, with reputation for the big hits nowadays is it's just that, that step too far, uh, that in that sheer intent and that sheer um, insistence on finishing off a check when evidently the guy's not in a position to be hit. Um, And I I agree. I mean, two games seems a little bit weak, particularly considering some of the other things that have been given out. Um, over the season but yeah I think Brol's lucky that it was only two and <sighs> just stupid one of the things that it does bring to my attention like like raised to me and I've seen it a few times I've, I've said it a couple of times but I've not actually said it on the podcast and I want to throw it over to you guys I'll, obviously Gresk also got his, his input on, on this as well but yeah um, Just before we hear what Greg's got to say about the ban, one of the things that I'll throw to you guys is one of the issues that this highlights to me, there's a lot more players and a lot more times now where players are coming around the boards, a checks coming in, and the player rotates, shows his numbers, and the hit comes straight from the numbers. Now, the ruling on a check from behind is that obviously the onus is on the player that is making the hit to make sure that the hit is clean and that the hit is safe. Um, And I completely agree with that. But I just think that we need to start trying to find some way of breaking this mentality of, oh, I've got a hit coming and I'll turn my back. Because it's just all it's going to do is it's going to create injuries. It's going to, we're going to see more players banned when actually there's not that bad intent to the hit. And I'm not necessarily saying that's the situation here. But it is happening a lot. It happens a lot across hockey. It's not just in our league, but you do see a lot of the time players head up, see the player coming in, and then they turn around and shut the back. Um, mean, Andy, you'll have you'll have had it the same as me when you when you first start playing checking hockey and the first thing that you're told is move towards the boards because it's going to take a lot of the impact the one thing you don't want to do is step away from the boards because if you hit away from the boards you've obviously got that distance more chance of hitting your head on the boards and things like that your safest way of taking a hit is to move into the boards and just take the hit and it just seems to be moving away from that now and it just seems to be a oh a guy's coming to hit me i'll turn my back and I, I yeah. just I don't like that as much I'm not saying that the I, I still think this is a ban and I'm not excusing it from Brawl but I just think it's it's becoming a tactic more and more now it's something I've not noticed but uh, it's
1: in terms of how you've just described everything yeah it probably is more uh, a tactic it's really a death one uh, 100%, because, you know, it's, 100%. It's, I understand the trying to get penalties etc cetera, etc cetera, but you know what, what what risk are you going to put to yourself if you're yeah. going to put yourself in that line you know what happens if it's at pace and it's a bad it becomes a bad hit because of the way you've positioned yourself whose fault does that become i i can see where you're coming from yeah um, I, I understand that mate um I, I i'd question this this the uh the stupidity from from the players or whoever um thought it was a good idea
0: yeah you would think there'd be a natural Deterrent to it happening from the fact that you you're likely to incur some kind of head injury or something like that, but I I just think it's happening more and more now.
2: Yeah, I've not really I didn't really pick up on that either. I although it it's pretty that is I think it's pretty stupid from players is if if they're gonna do that. I mean, you could end up with a career-ending injury. Then what are you going to do? Say you get put in like a a wheelchair for life. That's not going to do well for yourself. The hit itself, uh, I'm in agreement with Andy and Dave where I thought it could have been more than two games. I mean, it's Brawl's first game back after being on being scratched because he was injured and then he went home due to family family bereavement I think it was his dad passed away uh, he's come back first game and he gets a two game ban straight up mean not really a good a good start for you first game back after being off injured for a while hopefully I kind of didn't get hurt as badly as it could have been. Just think, yeah, just a bit of a stupid, a little bit of a stupid play. You're chasing him. You should really be able to stop yourself quick and then throw the hit. Where that's actually a clean hit. Not when you see his numbers and go, yeah, I'm still going to go at it. I don't care.
3: Yeah, you're right, Joe. I mean, you know, as as a player, especially in in this sort of day where the game is getting faster, uh, players are getting players are getting taller. You, you know, it's you you gotta protect yourself, and it's, it's different for open ice hits because you know you, there's nowhere to really get a uh, sort of balance on when it boards or you you at least got something in front of you to uh, to to lean against so that. You start taking the impact of it as much. It's a board second of start as well. But for a lot of players, including myself, it's sometimes it's difficult because you're just so involved in in in, in the play you're trying to make or, or what you're trying to do. But like, you just don't really notice. Or I don't think think that a player would would come from behind you like that because you're just so involved in so focused on on what you're doing.
0: You just don't want to lose the puck. That's the thing. It's it's that if I take the hit, I'll lose the puck.
3: Exactly, yeah, and you know it's the the phrase head and a swivel just it you know it's it makes it's very important because you really do have to have your head and swivel at all times, though, know, because you can't just just be looking at the puck all the time. You've got to be looking all around you, uh, especially when you're going to the boards, because you know you're putting yourself in a in a dangerous position. And it's it's not just elite league, you know, it's 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 happened to me in rec where I've I've been absolutely I was even even trying to clear the puck. Um, I, I've had a late hit to the uh, to the neck as well, and not, that that was, I was so a bit sore the day after. I'll put it that way. But it it is different in the you know you, you are getting paid to play, but in, in leagues like Red League where you're not getting paid to play, you've got families, you've, you've got work the next day. You know it, it's completely different. But you get it you get it all over. You know we're probably not not so much. In in Europe, obviously, but yeah, you just got to, you know, put yourself first. Make make sure that you were you were in a position that if you do get hit, then you have got, you are aware of it, and and you can, you know, uh, sort of leading into the person, so you're not going uh, putting your face forward. But yeah, yeah, completely right, Joe.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, we didn't mention this on the agenda beforehand, but it's something that I'd, I'd suggested but then forgot about when <laughs> we're putting the agenda together. But it's, it's in relation to DOPS and it's kind of in relation to what, what we said about bad hits. Um, and, and Andy, to be fair, it links in perfectly with what you've just said about the game getting faster. Um, it not only makes it more difficult to keep your hits and also makes it more important to you know, protect yourself in all those situations, but also it makes it more difficult for the referees. And um, we saw that firsthand on Sunday um, with Matt Pellick. He uh, was ejected from the game in the first period. It was the second game in a row that Belfast had a player ejected in the first period with a five-plus game. Uh, also the second five-plus game in those two games that um, wasn't given any supplementary discipline. Um, and I have to say, I think the refs got it wrong. Um, I, I think it was a late hit. Yes, it was a penalty. Yes, uh, he left his feet. And there was seemed to be some intent for the hit to go a bit higher. Um, but I certainly don't think it was a hit to the head looking at the replays.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know, I actually remember we, we spoke literally after the incident looking at the replays and it did look um, that the hit was towards the head area and I think a couple of points um, in terms of the referees because of how it all panned out I could understand why they may have called on that split second because I think it was not just referees, it was linesmen why they would have called a check to the head so I can understand it, that's not saying it's justifiable It's it weren't a check to the head, it's fine um, however, like you said pellic also changes his direction last second Steams in with a hit Arguably years thing, I don't know Truncinski, who was the person who was hit Is an unsuspecting player Because the way Pelik, Literally, he's not even he's following the puck And just changes the direction to make a hit It was a bit Out, out of character And he, he, he let, as counting, he let his team down um, as, as, as a bad hit um, Now I know Potentially, Dops may rule tomorrow or may release the, any ruling tomorrow. Um, and it certainly had an impact on the game. Um, but one point, I'm going to nick from, from um, one of the periscopes you get, uh, John, John Bullards, is actually, is it worth, obviously not straight up and straight away, but in time, actually allowing the referees to have a bit of video technology available to them to look at stuff like that to make sure that it's the right stuff because yeah like you said it weren't a check to the head we all thought at the first place it were but when you slow it down again the referees made a mistake understandable um, but is it worth bringing that into to to point where referees can actually check it to make sure
2: I think that would probably require like the league or well, all clubs to be able to buy into that as well I mean it'll help them a lot down the line especially with calls it that because when I watched the, the video of it straight first away real time I just thought yeah that's Chet's the head and then when I watched it again and again and slowed it down I was like actually no that actually isn't a Chet's the head but I could, so I could see why the refs gave it as that with the change of direction that he makes and then throws the hit it was like yeah I don't think anyone could have said Oh yeah, that's not a check to the head straight up. If you, whilst you're watching it in real time, it's like a bit of a unfortunate thing. But these things on, in the game game at the moment, they they happen. Not just in our league, but in other leagues and across the world. But maybe there'll be. I don't really think there'll be any discipline from Dots, but who knows? We, we may find out tomorrow. Like, oh yeah, he's actually giving like a one-game ban or something like that. So I'm not too sure if this is his... This could be like second game that he's been giving like a five-plus game penalty for. Maybe more, I'm
0: not too sure. He leads the league in penalty minutes currently from what I can see. I don't know. I've, I've filtered the statistics down on the Elite League to the top penalty minutes and it says Peleg. I don't know if there's anybody else. I don't know if it's filtered down for the top X amount of players, but he's got 95 penalty minutes in 33 games.
2: Yeah, he's definitely been given a few game penalties and match penalties probably then. So maybe. Maybe he'll get some discipline for that penalty
3: I, I think technology like that would definitely benefit all all ten clubs if if they could, you know, have have the funds to do so and uh, have, have the right, you, you know, um, system is in place for so that to go ahead. That'd be fantastic. In in terms of the actual hit itself, this is where I, I think that it was called wrong, but I think at the same time it it was. Called right as a game, a son simply because apart from the the run up to the hit from Pellet the stick uh, sort of position and and where it was was very similar to uh, what Conley did, tomorrow and it's a very similar position. It was in between that neck and that chin area, and even though it's not you know a check to the head, it's still a check that you know is quite equally equally serious especially the, the uh, neck as well so I think that that should be included in in uh, check to the heads the neck should be definitely included but like I said it's again it's it's dangerous and apart from you know you saw Pelex getting in towards him and, and and did the hit apart from that it, it was almost identical to Conley and, and, and Morrison, in, in my opinion, and going forwards, I think you know the league definitely need, need, need to change that so it does include next as well. So, on that basis, I, I think he has it. I think the referee did get it right, but at the same time, I'm going wrong if, if you know what I mean. But from, from where me and Dave and Joe were signed 2 on 9, it, it was very difficult to sort of gather because we're obviously we're facing the bit. The backs of the players, not the fronts, and now obviously happening I mean, in in you know, in full motion. It's, it's it's hard to decipher what part of the what part of the body it was, but yeah, just just like I said, it's um, very similar to Colin Morrison, and I think it should definitely get get a game just for that reason, It'd rather being towards the neck and very similar to the Colin Morrison. So. The controversy
0: kind of reminds me of um, the NHL playoffs last year. Um, San Jose, Vegas in Game 7 of their series. Um, I think Eakin was the player, I think, that got a five-plus game penalty for cross-checking. Pavelski went down to the ice with blood coming from his face after he got a cross-check from Eakin to the check. and it led to Eakin getting a five-plus game penalty. Uh, I think the Sharks then ended up scoring four goals in four minutes on the five-minute power play from that and ended up winning the game and kicking out the Vegas Golden Knights from the from the playoffs. Um, and then the NHL ended up apologising to Vegas and acknowledged that it was the wrong call. Um, since that, in the NHL, they've introduced the rules that um, a referee can review a five-plus game penalty to make sure they're making the right call. And I think, as as you say, I mean it's equipment dependent and things like that. Obviously, in Sheffield, and to be fair, most teams that have got a webcast facility, it's probably not going to be an issue. Um, but you need to make sure that each team's got a clear footage to be able for the referee to be able to ever like clearly review it. Uh, that rules out Manchester. Um, but um, but yeah, one other thing I'll say with you there, Andy. I mean, I said earlier that it wasn't it sh- it shouldn't have been a game misconduct and when i say that i mean it shouldn't be a game misconduct for a check to the head in my opinion about i think i think it's a bit of a gray area because i think to my mind there was some intent there because he left his feet the hit was definitely upwards in in trajectory um but actually if you read the double ihf rule um and i've got the double the ihf rule book in front of me i've checked the, the eihl case book and there's nothing to change this rule so as far as i'm I can see there's no reason that this rule doesn't occur in the, in the EIHL, but rule one, five, three is for a late hit. Um, so obviously a late hit a skater who's not in the immediate vicinity of an opponent in possession or control of a puck still delivers a late hit to that opponent. I think as far as we can all say that, that that was, it was definitely a late hit at least. Um, the rule then actually goes on to say a skater who delivers a late hit to an unsuspecting opponent, which I think again, I don't know what you guys think, but I think Tronczynski was definitely unsuspecting from a perspective of he got rid of the puck well before um, and was seen, seemed to be facing the other way. Um, a skater who delivers a late hit to an unsuspecting opponent will receive a major and automatic game misconduct penalty. So by the rules of the double IHF, that's a game misconduct, but it's just being applied wrong because it was given for a check to the head. So.
1: Yeah, it's like, like well, I mentioned, I looked at it again, you know, the way Pelic turned and, and, and sharply to make the hit, there's no way Tronsisky will have had the time to think their mind, prepare himself to be hit, so I, I'd go along with that, I, like, I think we've all said, the ruling was wrong, the punishment was correct, but for a different offence, Um. I suppose the, the bigger offence is Bispelik putting his team in a, in a vulnerable position where they're still massively in a title race. I, I, you know, to give a team a potential of a five-minute major power play against a team with the offence that Sheffield have, you, you, you kind of just for one of a better phrase that we hate using on this podcast, he threw his team under the bus <laughs> with a stupid play. Yeah. Through so, the revolving door. In fairness, mate, the way he kicked off when he left the, uh, the the ice surface, mate, it could potentially have been a revolving door. So you know, that's
0: the that's the other thing that I'm surprised about. That I I expected there to be as much backlash from. I I, mean, I said to you at the game, I, I'm surprised that Belfast haven't ended up with an abusive official call. There were a number of occasions where they were going hell to leather at the referee, but Pellick was literally stood at the gate screaming at the referee, and then proceeded to walk off back to the changing room and hit over um the security barrier as he walked past i mean i've seen somebody comment and say that the security guard could have been seriously injured that was stood next to it which i think is a load of rubbish it was, it was a metal barrier that was pushed over um but, could but, but we've seen it you know like this year dave um yeah. michael davies we've seen Mattia gagnon both get match penalties essentially for showing a lack of respect for the decisions that were made. And I don't really see why that's any different.
1: I've, I've got to say now, the, the funny one who got involved in the argument with the rest, and he does it every time, and he still makes me howl every time, is their equipment manager, Taff. He always likes to throw in his 2 pen into the equation, and it does makes me howl. Um, and I, I, I'm just surprised that no referees told him to, to leave the area, even though he's the equipment guy. Um, but he always doesn't miss the opportunity to uh, pass on his thoughts.
0: Brilliant. Um, I'll move. We'll move away from Dops unless anybody's got anything else to add on that one. Um, and we'll move to the Challenge Cup. Uh, Dave, I'm gonna throw this one over to you, mate. Yeah.
1: So last night we had um the second semi-final first leg, uh, and as mentioned in the highlight section, um, goals are plenty in Cardiff where it finished five all. Cardiff having a lead, losing it. Nottingham having a lead and losing it. And it's all to play for, um, uh, for the um, for the right to go to the final. Um, so to remind everyone, the first semi-final, um, it uh, Sheffield made it five one. Um, so you, it's fair to say that unless something Miraculous happens, and all due respect to uh, to Glasgow. I think Sheffield are probably going to be in the final. Um, but I'm going to throw it to, to Greff and Andy. I think, when I saw that scoreline, and we'll mention it a bit more in the next section, I think that benefited um, one team and one team only. And it weren't either Cardiff or Nottingham. I think it benefited the Steelers. Because um, now, next Wednesday, they have another tough game and they've got a battle for when it takes to go to the final. I don't know what your guys think.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, you, I think you're probably right there. It's like, when you guys play against Glasgow for the second leg, all you've basically got to do is not concede four, as long as you you score, obviously. But then you don't have to go out there all guns blazing whilst. Nottingham and Cardiff, they're going to have to go out there and actually fight hard for a good 60 minutes. Because you got, you'll hear of Nottingham going down to the Viola Arena to play against possibly you guys, or Cardiff having a home game. Although they won't say it's a home game, but it is. I think
1: the the topic of venue may be one for another time, uh, maybe for next week's. Yep. Uh, but Andy, um, you know, of all the semi the second legs, it's fair to say that next week's in Nottingham should theoretically be a bit absolute belter.
3: It should, and you know, this is one of those cases where I wish Nottingham did a webcast, because I'd, I'd definitely pay my money to watch that. I think I think it'll be very entertaining. Uh, could go eat, honestly either way. And, you know, I think he does in a way benefit Sheffield. No, they still don't know. Uh, nothing set in stone is to He's got a lead or anything, so they still don't know who they're going to get if they do make it through to final. Um, the, only thing that, the only thing that they can't do is get ahead of themselves. Think, oh, we're in it already. We'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll rest ourselves. No, it's, it's not a case because, you know, any team can come back from, from four goals, just no about who it is, if they've got the right mindset. They can do it, so we've got to be very strong. You know, we've got to play. I'd say defensively first. We've got to really put in a strong defensive game. Uh, if we get a few goals, fantastic, but like Gareth said, keep them under three goals. will be absolutely fine. But what a game that'll be! Nottingham. Uh game. Very, very interesting. And hopefully, you know, whoever it is will be uh, tired still from from that game. So hopefully, Sheffield will be able to. If you do get it through, you have, you like have to the have advantage. So,
1: yeah. I, I I suspect. I mean, they're both at the same time, uh, Andy. So you'll be in uh, the arena watching uh, Sheffield. Um, hopefully, finish the job. Like you said, though, nothing guaranteed at all. Um, and Belfast. Uh, not Belfast. My apologies. Glasgow have shown that they can score as much in batches as Sheffield can. Um, and I, su- I suppose, Joe. I mean, if if they're showing the second another leg. On free sports, I'm pretty confident they'll go with Nottingham and Cardiff. Um, but what I want to ask you take on the point of that I made at the beginning of the section was it benefits Steelers where well in the the running for the title that they have to play another tough game just to carry another the competition.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's always good when you know we've looked at the Cardiff schedule already and and the the runnings that they've got to the end of the league are already. Tight to say the least. I mean, there's multiple weeks where they're playing three games, um, Wednesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. So just to add another game into the mix, where it's all or nothing. You know, yes, it's not a foregone conclusion for Sheffield, but I imagine that the Sheffield players are going to at least be able to start into that game a little bit easier. Um, you know, it, it's, it, you wouldn't expect, and again, nothing is nothing's guaranteed, but you wouldn't expect that game to be too grueling. Um, for the Steelers players when on the other hand Cardiff are going to go out for everything they can get in that game um, they're still sour they're not sour per se but they're, they're still going to be a bad taste in their mouth that they've they've had all these chances to win the Grand Slam and do a proper Grand Slam sorry Nottingham fans Um But, you know, they're still going to have a bad taste in their mouth about that. They've had ample opportunity to get a Grand Slam. They've been the best team to be set up to get themselves a Grand Slam, and they've always had one hurdle too far to get that, and they're going to really, really be hungry for that this year, particularly after losing the league last year with one game. Yes, they're not at the front of the title race, but they've got those games in hand, and it could all fall in place still for them to take a Grand Slam win. So they're going to put everything into this Challenge Cup game because they don't want to be out on that. And they also don't want to be out in their own building for the final. They don't want to see Nottingham and Sheffield or Nottingham and Glasgow playing Cardiff for the Challenge Cup.
1: I think that will hurt them last year, seeing Belfast, Guilford um, in, the, in the final. Uh, remember, was it Guildford who knocked Cardiff out? Because I think Cardiff were uh, in the semi-finals, didn't they? I
0: Memphis, honestly can't right? remember. Uh, no, um, Gil- didn't Guildford knock us out?
1: In the, we, they knocked us out in the quarters.
0: Oh, did they? Oh, I can't remember them. The um, clan that knocked him out.
1: Uh, well, someone knocked Cardiff out. Mm. <laughs>
0: one yes.
1: of one of the teams in the league knocked Cardiff out, and uh, that will have hurt them. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you at that point in, Wasn't in it
0: the Clan in the first round? Wasn't it early doors? I think could it was. Have,
1: could have been. Now thinking about it, yeah. Yeah. So went Guildford. Um,
0: <laughs> it I, began I, with a G. It began yeah. with a G.
1: Yeah, and they were guilty, they were it down at to least? Does,
0: Geographically yes. nowhere near each other, but it began with a G. So we'll go with that.
1: What's Canberra. miles What's miles between friends? Um so guys, to, to kind of sum up and, and move on the chance cup, I'm going to put you all on the mark. Who's going to be in the final when we do this podcast? Who are we going to talk about in the Chance Cup final to be? Go.
0: Fife Dundee. <laughs> now, um <laughs> I'm going to go with Sheffield Cardiff. Yeah, I'm going to go say Sheffield Cardiff. Sheffield Cardiff as well. Dave's going to say Nottingham.
1: I am. I'm going to book the trend not just because you three said it. I I I think it's the best time to play Cardiff, if I'm honest. Um, and also, you know, it'll be Nottingham. Uh, they'll Celtic as well. I I I, I and Nottingham are just under the radar, playing really tight defensive um, hockey. So, But then again, you know, the GOAT's back for Cardiff, Joey Martin. Um, so who knows? But I... Yeah, i your I'm, plays I'm, of the week ready. That's it. So I, I'm going to Sheffield Nottingham. And then next week's discussion, I'm sure will be uh, tainted around that one. But
0: uh,
1: I think next Wednesday, I, I, I'm pretty certain that Free sport are showing another leg of the semi-final. They will almost certainly go with nottingham in, in carter so if you're not in sheffield for that semi-final do tune in for cause i think it will be a good game
0: keeping with the theme of the podcast you could say we hope that game is on on free sports so we can watch it oh dear i'm not even sorry no not at all <laughs> sorry not sorry um <laughs> I mean, that leads us on perfectly. To be fair, I, I, we've kind of almost crossed over into the discussion. But the next thing that I've got on the agenda is the title race.
1: Yeah, we've we've now got a four-horse race, um, and we've mentioned the teams. Um, you know, Sheffield are leading the race uh, at the top of the table, though Cardiff have the the games in hand. Um, I think last weekend. A lot of Sheffield fans were excited, rightfully so, to good wins for big points against title rivals. For me, nothing was won at all. Nothing was set in stone. It was a statement of intention, backed up with a good win against
0: Belfast. To be pedantic, the game was won.
1: Well, you know, but
0: uh, who cares? (laughs) Um,
1: But I think, you know, so we'll go with the the current standings. Um, Sheffield are on top. Uh, with 53 points, Cardiff uh, next on 46, and then Nottingham and Belfast on 44. The games in hand make it the waters a bit. Sheffield, so Cardiff have four games in hand on Sheffield. If they were to win all their games in hand, and ignoring the fact that they would play each other, they would finish up on, on, on one more point above Sheffield. Um, Nottingham can still, or in this title race massively, and I don't think anybody realistically thought Nottingham would be in this title race. But they've gone under the radar, as I already mentioned, and just grinded out results. A bit like Sheffield um, in the, the noughties. Uh, and, and more like the, and the Blaisdell year of you defence wins titles, and it's defence, win 2-1, win 3-2. But not the old Nottingham of you score six, we'll score seven, which is kind of what Sheffield's done a little bit this year. Um, for me, I think the, the pivotal point will be the weekend before the Olympic break, where all four teams don't play at all. And I think at that point, which, whichever team, where they are in terms of the and points they've they've gained, I think will be the massive point as to what chance they actually have. And you look at the fixtures as well. I think that's a bit of a, an interesting tie. Cardiff have got a fair bit of travelling in their four games. Um, they've got they've got to go to five, um, and and back home. They've got Belfast double header. Um, Nottingham have got to go again to Cardiff. Um, uh, Belfast have only got one trip and that's to Guildford, but a fair travel for for Belfast regardless anyway because they've got to obviously find a thing. Sheffield's travel, they really they've only got one game before the last one, get like Guildford away before the break in Coventry, which is not much of a travel. So basically, their four games, three of them in the league, are at home or very close by. So any travel, any bus legs or anything. Is, is nothing to be thought of, um, and I, I don't know what your guys say. I think that Olympic break will be pivotal um, to at least Cardiff more than Sheffield. That's it sounds, because Cardiff will need to pick up eight points. They need to. They need to. They need to get 100% from now. Ignoring the, the semi final for a second, but they need to pick up 100% to give themselves the best shot.
0: It's also. Um... Awesome to think that our last game of the season is Sheffield-Cardiff. Um, it's not awesome if Cardiff are going to be lifting the trophy in our building, but it is awesome <laughs> if if we can get the win. Um,
3: it's a isn't it, to have Cardiff-Sheffield last game?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: at least it's but, Sheffield and not Cardiff.
3: True. Yeah. I mean, you look at win
0: percentages now, um, and points point percentages, um, yes, if Cardiff win all their games... Um, in hand, then they'll go a point above Sheffield. But at the same time, Sheffield are also now on a better points percentage. They've 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 taken a better percentage of the points available now than Cardiff. Um, according to the Elite League website, anyway, Sheffield are seventy percent, Cardiff are sixty-eight, Nottingham are sixty-five, and Belfast are sixty-one. Uh, so nice and close in that top four. A uh, bit of a, a bit of a drop down to the next position, which is Coventry in six, uh, fifty-six, but what a season it's been, to be fair. And, and it has to be said, and I'm not... I'm, yes, I'm saying this as a Sheffield fan, but I don't think there's any bias behind me saying this. But what a turnaround for the Sheffield team. Last season, at this point, we were scraping our way to try and make playoffs. And now, we're sitting, you know, however many points, seven points clear at the top of the league. Yes, seven points clear with Cardiff having four games in hand. But... We've Said it many times in this podcast, and I'm sure we'll say it many times again. We'd rather have points on the board than points in the hand.
1: Oh, massively. It's the old uh, cricket large of runs on the board. Um, you know, you've got to chase the runs, um, and, that pre- and that builds pressure. Uh, and people do daft things to try and get the runs. So, in this case, the points. Um, and I yeah, rather have points on the board.
0: I'm sorry to bring this down a level, but Dave, saying people will do daft things to get the runs is not necessarily the best turn of phrase. People who <laughs> understand
1: cricket will understand what we just said there. It's not my fault that your mind's elsewhere. Heathen. <laughs> Andy. I
2: mean, Joe's that wrong. That probably was the first thing that came to my mind, but. I'll try another story.
0: Exhibit B. I can just see it now. Episode 56, people will do daft things to get the runs.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Let's put that out of the way quick.
0: Uh, I hope this podcast gets better. (laughs) So do many people. (laughs) (laughs) We've got no hope.
2: No. Oh God, here we go. (laughs) Yeah, bringing it back to the title race I mean it looks like it could be like last season where it could go down to like our last game well our last home game of the season is against you guys that could be a big game considering that could help us either make the playoffs or help you win the title before you had to play Cardiff you never know with how the season has come along and it's one that's going to be enjoyable for i say for most fans in the league ones that are obviously fighting for playoff spots and then ones that are fighting for the title You're right in regards with with Nottingham it's like I don't think anyone has, has noticed that how close they're to actually get into fighting towards the top. I mean, they're only two points off Cardiff. And they still played the same amount of games as Cardiff. So I think it'd be what there'll be like two points behind you guys if they win all their games that are in hand. That could be yeah. Oh, one point a good fight. One point even closer could be that could be a good nail no bite us to how to finish the three teams. It would be an interesting finish. I mean. I'm sure Cardiff fans don't want someone to win the league whilst they're having their team party in the hotel as Belfast
3: last year. <laughs> Yeah, just just looking at uh, form at the minute. I'll start with home form. From best to worst, we've got Sheffield in first with uh, 19 games, 27 points. Uh, Cardiff in second with 22 points in 17. Third is Guildford, 18 points, 22. Fourth, Belfast, 16 uh, games with 21 points. And the fifth, Nottingham, 19 points in 16. The away form, Sheffield again, on top of that one, uh, 26 points from 19 games. Second is Nottingham, uh, 25 points and 18. Third is Cardiff, uh, 24 and 17. Then you got Coventry, 19 games, 23 points. And then Belfast uh, with 23 points in 20. But then form as a whole, uh, in, in last five games, I mean, Nottingham been outstanding. That they're leading that one uh, with 10 points from five games. Second is Coventry, nine points from five games. Third is Sheffield, eight points from five. Uh, fourth is Cardiff. Six points from five games. Fifth is Manchester, six points from five games. But Belfast, in terms of the last five games of form, they're in seventh out uh, of tenth with only four points from five games. So it is very, very interesting. It's still very, very wide open. Uh, you you know, Sheffield could have, could have a few bad games, Nottingham could win all theirs, um, and, and could and Pippa. So it's, it's, again, it's anyone's. And if one team has one bad night, then that's definitely gonna uh, make a big impact. So, yeah, uh, yeah, very much a four, four horse race. Where on earth have you got that stat from? Flash scores.
0: Flash scores. Oh, is it? Oh, I was looking on the Elite League website, like that's not anywhere on here. Um, this interesting. Podcast is brought to you by Flash Scores. <laughs> Interesting to see as well, looking at the standings currently, if it was to finish as it is now, Sheffield would be playing Manchester in playoffs. And I really don't fancy our chances in that matchup just because of how much grief we've given Gref for not making playoffs. So yeah, I feel really, like really really the opposite of a Yeah. yeah. That, would,
2: that would be brilliant. I mean, you it probably won't happen, but...
0: Can you imagine if we we do a podcast live from the playoffs... Following Manchester kicking out Sheffield in the in the in the, in the quarters, <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be drunk for that. I don't care. Yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll be drunk even if we make it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Sound.
1: But every time Gus speaks, it we just be like yeah, yeah, we are win the league. Sound like um, Alan Ball? Yeah, we won the World Cup. Now yeah, we're in the league. Yeah, we're in the playoff. We're in the league. I will just interrupt every time. We'll just not give him the energy to to go with it. Uh, the, yeah, I just don't want to think about it.
0: Fair play, fair play, and neither we, do I, we, mate. We've
1: given we've given a fair amount of grief uh, on the podcast, and I'm sure there'll be a, an occasion where he will cash it's in. Yeah. Um, but until then, let's just uh,
0: carry on. To be fair, fair we can still slate him for being a Buffalo fan because there's no chance they're going to be lifting the Stanley Cup anytime soon. Yeah, that's true.
2: <laughs> You're not wrong.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. Um, the next thing I've got on on the list, and it was something that I, I. Wanted to add. Uh, Andrew Lord um, seemed to take the defeat against Sheffield pretty well. Um, Interestingly, could accept the fact that they were outplayed by Dundee, a team that is currently, what, in the bottom two in the league? I've just closed down the standings page that I had open. Um, yeah, ninth in the league They can Andrew Lord, fine, no problem they can get outplayed by ninth in the league they get outplayed by the current top team in the league and no, absolutely not having it, we were the better team just get off your high horse and accept the fact that you were beaten by a better team that game Cardiff and Sheffield is about as good a game as you're going to see all season and I think I I I would really really wouldn't put money on or seen a better game than that. It was a, it was a strong team, two heavyweights going head to head, and you know you could definitely tell both teams were playing for that league title. Yes, it's only January, but both teams knew the importance of that game. So to come out afterwards and just completely shoulder off the ability and the performance from the opposition was just a bit of a spit in the face i, I think it, 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 you've seen it and also i mean the humility shown by fox in his interview as well afterwards of saying you know cardiff played really well and things like that and talked about how well both teams played lord just looked like, a, just, like he just he just looked like a child that had lost at a game and couldn't accept the fact that they should have lost
2: All right.
1: It's an interesting one because how many times do Cardiff fans go on, borderline I'm going to say, it's their high horse, about the lack of humility from certain quarters in Sheffield. And they're very quick um, to jump on that. Um, but you saw that in abundance with Andrew Lord. Um, now, Andrew, uh, not Andrew, um, Fox did an interview after the Belfast loss. Um, member says right he was just complimentary of the game said you know what a game where two good teams one team won unfortunately it went and it you know it was understanding that a team had to win both teams going head to head give it everything not a problem I, I don't understand why Lord couldn't do that you know it's okay they're not having a good spell um, everything's unraveling in front of them you know they from the beginning of the season they thought they'll be you know Charged for the title again Have a good Crack at the CHL game, out of the group stage And everything else And it just slowly You know Unless things You know Unravel Just unravelling And it, have, it just appears that Has Is he Struggling to think Of a way To, to galvanise You know And trying to just ignore The other teams that beat him The ones in second Third, fourth In that bracket But will praise others And I just It looks like you know, Is he just struggling To think of a way and this is someone who's renowned, as someone who, who's methodical, diligent, does all his, you know, gets all his information and ducks in order. Has he slipped up? Is this something that he's not been able to control? That and, and it's beginning to show in his in his manner of uh, accepting defeat. I don't know, but I, I, I'm with you in the respect of, you know, that was a game of a heck of a game. You just put your hand up and go, you know what? Well, well done, Sheffield, or well done Cardiff, whoever won. Just put your hand up. And say, you know what? Well, that was a great game. Pleasure to be involved in it. 18 1. Well done. Couldn't do that. And I think it's showing a few signs that we've not seen from Cardiff for a few years.
0: To be fair, if they carry on with current scorelines, his next post interview uh, his, so his next post game interview will go something on the lines of five will make you get down now. <laughs> <laughs> I Stop. want it that way. Still still no
1: hope. Um, <laughs>
2: Hopefully, in his next interview, he actually mentions all all the blocks as well. I mean, you can't you can't like
0: single out people. Does that include block five? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I can see another statement on the horizon typing it out as we speak Um... I
2: mean maybe it's you don't mention it after the game straight away maybe it's probably because yeah he's still annoyed at his players for not winning the game even though looking at the highlights it actually looks like a pretty pretty decent game and then you, you go home you sleep on it and then you come then obviously you're over to Dundee, yeah, your team's not performed as well as you'd hope in Dundee, but then to give them the credit and you're actually not giving the team you got beat the night before any credit for how well they played, it kind of makes you seem like you're the younger child that's just not got given something that he, sh- he thought he should have been given, so he's thrown his he's thrown his dummy out very much you could say it's as you mentioned it's something that we've not seen with Cardiff for a good while maybe it was just a a one-off thing and he's just carrying it on just for you guys and then hopefully the next time he play against you who knows he might he might think differently especially if it's the last the last game of the season being you guys even if you win the league and they don't surely he will have to come out and say fair play you you played well all season you were the better team overall I mean that will be showing some good sportsmanship I mean, maybe even landing that job in the AHL that one Cardiff fan thought he was good enough to do
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I think he's kind of got it used to. We all know that Sheffield I haven't had much luck against Cardiff, uh, you know, over, over the last two years. Uh, you no, know, this season's been pretty close. It's been pretty much one one goal games. But looking at your head to head, this start a... this game against Cardiff with Sheffield's first win in five games against Cardiff. Uh, so that's that's going back to like mid mid 2019, and you know you you got to play put fair, fair credit to Cardiff, you know they've they've really you know they've come out and, and they really played a good a good solid game against us for the for the best part of two years. But the last time Sheffield won uh, against Cardiff was in Sheffield both games, ironically both five four wins for Sheffield. And then before that, you know, he had six six games that Cardiff had, had beaten us by quite a bit of scoreline. And then the last time before that was 2018. Uh, again, another one-goal game where Sheffield won. So, you know, it's, Cardiff definitely had the up-hand against us. And, you know, it's the first game in five. We've won them. And I think Andrew Lord, you know, he he seems as, as a bit of a failure because he's, he's gotten so used to beating us that, you know, he just doesn't like it. And... Yeah, it's just a massive sigh of relief, I think, for, for every Steelers fan out there. We finally finally beat Cardiff, you know, with Fox and the team to beat them, and we've finally done it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a massive sigh of relief, so hopefully in next game we can uh, could do the same again, but, you know, time will tell.
0: Time will tell indeed. Um, One of the other things, moving on from this one, one of the other things that time has told is that Drumgate got considerably more entertaining um, it's now come about from an article from Tony Smith in the programme uh, in the last Steelers game, I think that's where it's come from I don't think there's been anything else about it uh, but Tony said that they've taken the decision from a management level um, to ban drums from the away team so away fans are no longer allowed to bring drums to games um, there's been a lot of kickback, there's been some idiots trying to claim that it's against anti-discrimination law um, yeah I don't know I, I, I find it a weird one, I, I think ultimately Sheffield just seem to at the minute need to give people more and more reasons to hate them and it's kind of hard to sit back and take, it's a Steelers fan at times Um I don't, well, it's quite funny to see from time times from the Steelers fans, but also you just think at times like this, you know, we've got a team that's putting the performance in on the ice. Uh, We're sitting at the top of the league. um, And then we're just giving reasons for people to kind of look and laugh at us. Um, It does just from the reason that it arose seem quite petty. And I think that's part of the issue. Um, Ultimately, the decision came because people were complaining there was too much noise from Glasgow. Uh, And I think that's the stupid part. I think it's it's a knee-jerk reaction from that side of things in that, or at least that's how it seems, it's a knee-jerk reaction from people complaining about that game being too loud. But the flip side to me is you're a home team that has some kind of reason to stop the away fans from making as much noise that's got to be some kind of benefit to the Steelers in creating an atmosphere in their own games. I think,
1: I think it was one of the players. I can't remember if you said last week or just off recording, that if an away team can shut a home building down in terms of the atmosphere, then it's, it's worth a goal to that away team. Um, and now again, we, I only went on the highlights, uh, listening, obviously we was away. Um, and we aren't going into the to the details of of the drum and everything else. Um, I think you're right. It, it, the perception is that it's an e-jerk reaction. Um, I, it it doesn't make sense per se. The whole everything of you know discussion and, and whatnot uh, about banning drums and, and this that and the other. Um, I I you know, it's just a lot of it just doesn't make sense, it's, it's, it's a baffling one, it, it, it's opposing one looking at it a different way it deflects you know, because you know, this is the time of year where if you're head for silverware and everything, that the pressure starts to be looked on, you know, so let's, let's throw this into the water, people start thinking of something else, well that put the pressure on because we'll, we'll think about the drums and in fairness, there's a fair few people who've been flogging that dead horse on social media absolutely, if you scroll on Twitter, drum gate Go on Facebook, drum gate. and it's like it's it, it's very baffling. If I'm honest with you, uh, across the board, I'm just some of it just don't make sense whatsoever.
2: Hey, I read on well, social media today on Twitter, and then I've seen the post on Facebook that if someone received a, a clarification email from Steelers, not too sure how legit that is just because the person who posted it posted it on the the, pan, the banter group. Uh, it was it legitimate? I don't know. But they apparently said it's a ban on musical instruments for all fans, that's home and away fans, minus the match night crew. So I'm assuming what the block is, match night crew.
1: Interesting. If, if true. If, it's, if
2: true, yeah. Interesting. It's Yeah, I mean Start, like we mentioned last week Bit of a a Silly move from Clansman's touch To just have four for one person I mean Four guys back Especially when he's jumping about He's not Joey Garderson Like I mentioned Joey Martin would have
1: been able to handle that
0: And it ended up being on plays of the week.
1: Yeah.
2: Definitely would be. I mean, a play of the year as well.
1: Play of the decade.
3: Definitely. (laughs) For me, it's just. It's just be embarrassing. Something so petty could. You know, could start all this. Yeah, four drums for one person is—it's yeah—it's excessive, but you know I—I—I I, I don't how it's a massive massive deal. I mean, if you know if if the way fans are drowning, you know, your home fans out that that group that they have there, then that doesn't that say a lot about that group there. Shouldn't they be making more more noise? Shouldn't they be trying harder to make more noise and then have that you know have that um, that banter, you know? a lot especially with drums you, know, you have one side chatting, drumming then you get the other ones you all trying to get louder and it's being the loudest you know, loudest fans of the building and you should be loud if you're at home fans I mean, have way fans drown you out, it's just I don't get how that happens so yeah, just, just for me there's not a whole lot I can really say it's just embarrassing, it's giving more, more fan bases out there to more teams just laugh at us and you know, I'm, I'm put a very silly rep back on as a game, which I think we've done very well to hold off the last couple of years at least. So, you know, very petty and, you know, I just think some...
0: I think that that's what it stems from, isn't it? It stems from the fact that we were outshouted in our own building by four, by thirty forty Glasgow fans that travelled down on a Sunday, and I just think, I think that's the embarrassing bit. I think the decision itself being taken. All of this caused a load of issue, and the Steelers did what they thought they could do to try and. Resolve the issue for both parties. They didn't ask the Glasgow fans to stop banging the drums. They didn't ask. They didn't tell their own fans that they just had to suck it up. They asked them to move so that they got a resolution, but the the drums could still carry on. And all they got for it was was slack on social media. Um, There were people going left, right, and centre about how it's ridiculous that they were asked to move and things like that. At that point, like the Steelers have done. From a management perspective, have done what they can to mitigate the situation, as I say, they've let the drums carry on, they've not told Glasgow to stop, so you know they've done what they can to facilitate it for Glasgow whilst facilitating it for their own fans it It seems on the face of it to be a good decision to ask them to move further up just to kind of put an end to the complaints. they've done that, they've got a load of slack for it online. They've had a load of people saying about it on on social media, so you know, yes, they're going to get some they're going to get some kickback fr- from that issue. Do you know, they're going to get some kickback from people on social media saying it's ridiculous that the band the drums have been stopped. But at the end of the day, that's then going to stop. It's not going to carry on infinitely about oh, it's ridiculous that the Steelers don't allow people to take drums. Whereas if, you know, every time Glasgow came, for all we know, we're going to have the same issue where we're having to ask the Glasgow fans to move and the Steelers fans aren't happy and it's starting a conflict after conflict in games because they're trying to balance the needs of their own fans and the needs of the away fans. So stopping the away fans from taking the drums puts an end to that. Um, I think it's daft. But I think it's daft that 40 Glasgow fans were able to outchant 5,000 Steelers fans or however many they were that and I think that as a whole is the stupidest part about it um I don't think that four drums is overkill for one person I talked to you about it the other day Dave and, and yeah I I I personally don't think it's overkill um I think I don't know the circumstances of the guy. I'd presume from having that kit, or I'd like to think from having that kind of kit, that he does some kind of marching band stuff, and it's not just for um, for Glasgow games. But if it is, fair play to him. That guy stood there for 60 minutes during the game, with four drums on his back, banging from the first whistle to the final whistle. He showed more passion in that game than a lot of people show across the season. And yes, people support the team in their own way, Guest people carry on, um, make noise and do what they want to do. In that respect, fine. You want to pay your money, go to games and not make an ounce of noise. Then that's your own prerogative. But don't slate Glasgow as a whole for making noise for their team. And and I think that's the that's the stupid part. And I think actually the social media back from the drums being moved was so high because I think a lot of Steelers fans joined in
1: yeah it seems to be always anything goes wrong social media emphasises it even more so um, and like I said we were hearing more about that than the actual game itself um, when we were looking for updates so I, I I think, and for me, I think Andy's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's become an embarrassing situation, um, and yeah, you know, we could have handled it so much better. I, mean, I think everybody could have, in fairness, and you know, not just uh, you know, I think the Glasgow fans their reaction afterwards could have been better instead of you know playing you know the eternal victim. I think other fan bases have chipped in. What's got to do, you know? This is one that's you know, unless you're going to bring five million drums, what's has got to do with you? You know, at the, at, thing, the point, at the point when it happened, sorry, at the point it happened, know. just between Sheffield and Glasgow. So why other fans wanted to have the two penny thing, you know, and told them the statement, back out, no to do with you guys and girls, stay out of it. Then with a the statement, by all means, have an opinion because it has an impact on you if you want to take a drum to games. I just think, again, I think. In different ways everyone could've done a heck of a lot better.
0: Yeah, I think uh you could argue that this whole thing has been prompted by the Glasgow fans' response. Um everything that you read, like Sean Smith said about about the fact on, on Facebook that he'd asked the Glasgow fans to move. They agreed to do that, and he thanked them for that. There was a mention of it in, in the the article from Tony in the programme that they asked Glasgow to move. They they said that they were happy to move, and they thanked them for doing it, thanked them for their cooperation, Um, and it, it was their resolution to, to benefit both parties that Glasgow could carry on drumming, and the Steelers fans weren't complaining about the noise. If Glasgow had left it at that, if the Glasgow fans didn't turn around and go, yeah, 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 we'll move up to the upper block, and then start tweeting about it all over the place as to how ridiculous it is, we're probably not getting this end result. So I I, I agree from you. I think it's embarrassing from all sides. It's embarrassing that we were getting out shouted in our own building when we had 100 times more people at the game than they did. It's embarrassing that it's come to... I, I don't think it's embarrassing from the management side. That's the thing. I think what they've done is made a shrewd decision on what's going to what's going to mitigate the issues that they're having i think in the grand scheme of things the majority of games there's not been that issue it's one game really where it's kicked off and i think on that on the face of that yeah maybe a bit of a a disproportionate response but i you know it's embarrassing from the glasgow fans response it's embarrassing as to how much this has blown up i, I just think the whole thing's just daft
1: i'd go with that
0: um, unless anybody else has got anything else to add on Drumgate, we'll move on from Drumgate. Hopefully, that's the last of Drumgate that we have to discuss because I can't see any way that this is going to develop any further. Um, I hope so as well. Yeah, it's just getting, about it's getting quite boring now. It's it's clogging up my Twitter feed and it's annoying me. Um, the next thing, Dave, I'm going to throw it back over to you. I think you've done some number crunching on attendances.
1: Yeah, they always say uh, December times when the crowds go up and everything. So I had some spare time at home and I thought I'd just look at it from December and up to the weekend gone, not including last night's Challenge Cup game, um, just to see how many each team uh, had got in terms of attendances that was announced as one game that doesn't have an attendance on the game sheet um so it may skew the figures a little bit um however as a kind of so you're talking 6 weeks worth of hockey the elite League saw just shy of a quarter of a million fans go through the doors of buildings in 81 games um you know Sheffield uh, had the the most fans go through 50,000 in 76 um only over seven games. Uh Nottingham uh had forty nine just shy of fifty thousand. Um so and it was just but it was looking at also the percentage because you know we could say Sheffield got fifty thousand but they have a nine thousand two hundred capacity. Whereas Guildford they've only got around um twelve thousand and eight hundred and three went through but their average over the seven games was eighteen hundred and twenty nine which that makes puts them in like the ninety percent of capacity and um, so I, it, over the years everyone says that you know you know crowds are down you know it's, it's petering out but you just look at you like said quickly go for the averages you now Belfast uh, 4,200 over nine games Cardiff 3,025 their ten, uh, capacity is 3-1 or 3-3 I think something along that bracket so they're in the high 90s uh, Coventry um, 2,100 uh, they've that's actually good because they've been around the 15 16 1700s of so, uh dundee's 1290 fife for the one that everyone's concerned about um they average around 1333 uh, but there's a i think there's a number of problems in fife off ice uh forget the fact that their season's plummeting i think there's a lot of discontent in kakari um so that's an interesting one um glasgow's 2919 guildford i'll say 1829 manchester 1310 um, over nine games um, as high as 2,115 I'm assuming that was the December 28th game against Sheffield as low as 977 uh, Nottingham average uh, was 5,548 and Sheffield's average 7,154 um, now I, th- I think what this puts down to is the hard work that the vast majority of teams do put into boost of their attendances now, some folk will quit the quip, you know, Sheffield's got that because of the five-pounders. And one of them games in the seven was a five-pounder. So the vast majority of them games were fully paid up. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, everyone has to throw in the freebie angle, apparently, because, you know, they can't just accept that actually teams are putting hard work in. Not are going to be doing the same, especially after the start of their season they had and the people were protesting not going. Um, you know, Belfast, the same. Cardiff are hitting, you know, they had a number of sellouts. Um, and seeing the numbers in Scotland, in Glasgow and Dundee, Increase in their average. I, it just it shows a healthy. It's something that we don't. I think British hockey fans in general don't like to talk a positive about the sport, but it's a healthy sign that attendances are on an increase, um, and especially you know the, the busy period of Christmas. Um, and I think I think well done to all the teams.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it. It's been great to see in Sheffield, and we talk about being outshouted by certain cohorts of fans, but you know, to see seven, 8,000 people at all the games across the Christmas period was just fantastic. And uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about the game after New Year's Day. I can't remember who we were playing, though.
1: Uh, what, the, the first one we played, Nottingham on New Year's Day, was the one after that? Yeah. Guildford. Guildford
0: was a Guildford. That game was nearly sold out or was sold out to like 9,000 plus people at that game for a game that's not Boxing Day or New Year's Day and for a game that's not against Cardiff as the close contenders for the league, Nottingham as the rivals, Manchester as the team that we generally get the most physical against. It wasn't any of those teams. If anything, it was a pretty neutral team in that respect just to draw a crowd.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the one with Sheffield is that they had crowds of over 8,000 three times on the bounce for the first time since 95. Oh,
0: that's uh, when, I mean, in, when I was born, I knew it was 96.
1: Exactly. So, you you know, you wouldn't even thought of me. Um, you know, but looking in deeper, different teams and everything, it's the same point. It's not just the rivals. You know, Nottingham had uh, a couple of 7,000 attendances, uh, and one of them was obviously Sheffield, I don't think the one was Coventry, I'm not 100% certain, uh, but Glasgow had a few 3,000 plus um, and one of them was Sheffield uh, so not all the Scottish ones uh, rivalize Guildford consistently 18-19 um, for out um, Cardiff had a few sellouts uh, Belfast did okay, I think they had a couple of double headers, uh, which does have a, a spike on their attendances. People choosing back and forth, but you know, I, I I'm. It looks good. It, it's it's good to see. Um, you know, and and if, if 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 there's any kind of you know collaboration between the teams to help, because it's not about the attendance per se in terms of the number. It's the percentage of how much they're using their buildings. So Guildford's ninety percent is better than Sheffield's 85 in that respect. Obviously, the numbers is it's a different, and obviously the bills are different. But if teams are starting to maximise the percentage of people in their buildings, that is the the key to to continual growth of the elite league. Um, and these numbers are would suggest that it was a healthy December and start of the new year.
2: Looking at those numbers that you have just mentioned, it for me for the Manchester part of it that's actually pretty decent for ourselves considering we had I think it was towards like the the start of January I think we had like four games in five days where three of them were at home and they were full price games so that's pretty decent to get at least still on the average of of what 1,300 that's still pretty decent let's hope
0: it carries on
3: I hope so. I've had to think so.
0: <laughs> I've been hazarding on trying to get that one in and I just I have decided not to, Andy, so I'm glad you you went with that one.
3: You're very welcome.
0: Wrong podcast,
2: mate.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, sorry. I think the only issue we've got, really, that is the one that you mentioned with Fife. with the... Offside you would say. I mean, I've seen it on Twitter from a fair few fans that are just saying, "Yeah, I'm going to stay home and watch football on TV instead of going to the actual game."
0: He's enjoying That's... saying this far too much, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Just, to, just to emphasise, it's not saying that Fife are in trouble in terms of any financial. No. No. I, I, I just realised what I'm saying is the problems there there, It's like, no, it's not nothing anywhere near that. But like you've, you've alluded to, it's. Off, rumblings of discontent. I mean, you know, they're not a happy bunch anyway. At the best of times, but and those are the ones that we know. Um, but uh, they're, they're definitely not a happy uh, fan base at the moment in, in
2: Kakori. Exactly. I mean, um, yeah, I'm not really a fan of that that team itself. I mean, you wouldn't have known that, definitely. Yeah,
0: you kept it quite quiet. I, I'm, I'm really I'm quite
2: shocked. surprised. Uh, but at the end of the day. It's another team in the league. It's like when tweets went out about when the when thing started. It was like Gangnam and Davis, people saying they don't want Storm in the league. It's like don't talk stupid. You want more teams in the league, but you get better games that way. You're not playing the same team eight times or even more when you put in like, Challenge Cup and stuff it's better
3: it's better for the league it's better for British hockey in general it's a massive step forward in the right direction and no, uh, you know ho- hopefully you know it gets better for all teams hopefully at some point Manchester can actually get a decent arena and uh, actually start selling out not going to happen yeah well you can't help, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just imagine having the having the uh, m Arena again. Just imagine that and saying that out. How great would that be? But from a Sheff- from a Sheffield perspective, I mean, me and Dave will remember, uh, especially the uh, late 90s, very, very early 90s, where they had the extra stand at the back. I- I'd love to see that being put up again, and you know, using that, but. Benton be
1: Cup final against Newcastle Cobras, I think, at yeah. the time. Yeah,
3: of course. yeah. But that, Ten, that'd be amazing.
1: Ten thousand in that building. Yeah.
3: yeah. Love for that time again.
1: Pretty
2: good. I think they've still got the the ice the ice pond in the arena as well. Because they use what? it for the Di- Disney, on know. I
1: I I thought that was taken out because I thought Disney take their
0: own.
2: Yeah, they do apparently. Could be.
0: Who knows? Anybody got anything else to add on attendances or we got to move on? Um, we'll throw this one in there. I mean, I'm conscious of time again, but I, I will throw this one in there more as an honourable mention, I guess. Um, this weekend, I think, sees uh, the Elite League embrace their You Can Play weekend. Um, obviously, putting the emphasis on hockey being for everybody regardless of gender, sexuality, race, and everything like that. Anybody can enjoy a hockey game. You can, anybody can play hockey. It, it's a sport that is inclusive to everybody and, and isn't specific to certain cohorts of people. Um, and this weekend is a weekend where that's embraced and it's a weekend where that is publicized more than it is generally, you know, it, it's a weekend where that emphasis is really put on the fact that hockey is for everyone, um, and I just think it, it's good to see. It's good to see that, that it's been embraced. Obviously, there's been some negative sporting stories around, particularly around racism over the last 12 months. You've had it in the football um, with regards to Tottenham and, and things like that and the racism coming from the stands. Um, you've then had it in the yeah. NHL um, with, is it, is it a key value? Um, who's had obviously racial slurs against him in in the obviously on the ice from his from his previous coaches, um, so I just think it's it, it, it's a positive thing to see this being embraced and see all the teams buying in as well. I,
1: I I'm with you in respect of it's it's fantastic in that message of it is for everybody. Um, you know I, I I'm a, I've I've seen um, you know a couple of friends within. Um, the hockey fraternity, you know, receive abuse because of their their colour, their their nationality, their their um sexuality, and and it's it's the message of you know what, don't matter, well don't, that's irrelevant. Come and watch a game of hockey, it's welcoming. Um and hopefully this weekend it's a success. Uh, I hope you know not just the teams but the fans, you know, just enjoy the 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 games. Obviously, um there's a lot of different shirts. Um Manchester's I hate to say this, I actually think that theirs is a better design. I think what they've done with the rainbow in terms of it looks like a sponge paint in terms of that uh, uh, effect. I think that has come out a lot better uh, on on the rest of the shirts, instead of a straight rainbow. Um, But hopefully they they do well. It raises money for some good causes.
0: I think from the jersey design front, the jerseys are, for a lot of teams, very similar. Yeah.
1: Unless you're you're Belfast and you've gone the... uh, Retro nineties word um, uh, f- fonts that no one uses now.
0: Yeah, or five. Font, like, where where that five jersey is just hideous. I don't know what it is. I don't know what I don't like about it. I just don't. I just don't like it. But it's different, though. Huge different.
2: I mean, let's hope Guilford bring a, a white jersey when they play against Nottingham. We don't want that to happen again. I'd love for that to happen again. I, I've, I've, I have I've
1: have seen that the league have coordinated uh, the, the shirt colours, so the teams have had to tell them what colour they're wearing, so uh, uh, not a repeat of uh, uh, the Coventry game. Which is
2: hilarious. That is definitely a shirt gate. As you mentioned with the jerseys, yeah, I think to be fair, I think most teams' jerseys are actually pretty decent. I think yeah, you're right in terms of a lot of them have gone down the generic same route, but it's actually quite decent. I mean, I saw Cardiff today as well, and that's actually pretty nice as well. I like the font that they've used with the putting the the rainbow on the numbers as well. I, it, if it gives it that their own like, touch on the on the you can play, it's brilliant. I mean, it's raising awareness, money, especially after everything that's going on this season. Not just in hockey, but in sports as well, in general.
3: It's great that the, the um... League are doing this. No, it it's no, it, it's great. It's great for them to get the message out, you know, because uh, there's a lot of spots out there that that don't, you know, show uh, much inclusivity uh, about this, it. So it's it, it's great to you know to to I suppose the no way celebrate it and uh, you know, uh, show that it's you know it's it's just a great thing to to support a, a, a great. You know, charity to support the LGBT community and everything, and yeah, it's it's, it's really good. Um, I, I like how everyone's got involved with the uh, jerseys. You know, they're all same sort of uh, rainbow effect, which is really good. Um, yeah, it's really good stuff. Yeah,
0: it certainly is. Um, putting that to bed. I mean, the only two things that I've got left on the roster are. Predictions, and then, of course, the fabled Stafford Stafford Stories return. Uh, we've not got Grant's gossip today. We're back to Stafford Stories. Um, Andy's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we'll go for predictions first, so we'll end it on Stafford Stories. So, uh, Dave, you're writing these down, aren't you? I am, yes. You are? Right, I will scroll down to the fixtures so first up we have friday the 24th of january Uh, so today as it currently stands um dundee versus glasgow in dundee
2: dundee i'm going dundee as well
0: so am i and so am i Uh, Saturday the 25th of Jan we've got Belfast versus Glasgow in Belfast. 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 And Belfast. Um, We've got Sheffield Manchester in Sheffield. I wonder how this is going to go. The mind boggles. (laughs) We can only hope this is going to go differently to how everybody
2: expects. I can only hope it's not like Boxing Day. I'm going Manchester
0: you can't honestly say Manchester after we beat you 7-0 in our barn on boxing day you can't honestly say you think Manchester are going to win oh I just did oh okay. threw that one back at me I hope his consistency is better I'm going Sheffield Uh, as am I Sheffield for me Uh, we've got Nottingham Guildford in Nottingham Nottingham Guildford. I'm with you, Gref. I'm going to say Guildford. And Andy, I'm with you. I'm going to say Nottingham.
3: Uh, ooh. ooh.
2: Ooh.
0: Five. <laughs> Cardiff. In five is the last game on a Saturday. Cardiff. Cardiff. Five. Knew you were going to do that. I'm gonna say Cardiff just for the sake of if we come back next week you can check <laughs> your papers again. <laughs> um yeah, Cardiff for me. Um Sunday the twenty sixth we've got Glasgow Fife in Glasgow. Glasgow Glasgow. Fife. And with you, Dave. I'm going to go five. Third game in three days for Glasgow on that one. Um, Manchester, Dundee in Manchester. Manchester.
2: Manchester.
1: The shock. Manchester.
0: Well, Greth hopes that Manchester win. I I think Manchester will win. Um, Coventry, Sheffield in Coventry. Oh, I think it's very close. Sheffield, just in regulation or overtime?
3: Oh, yes. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. You went there, didn't you? I
0: Pools did. Are off. This is where we win like six-one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say Sheffield.
1: So am I. Sheffield.
0: And so am I. Um, Guildford, Belfast in Guildford. Belfast. Guildford. Guildford. And Guildford. Oh. Uh, And then the final game on that Sunday is Cardiff-Nottingham in Cardiff. Big game for the league again this.
3: Cardiff. Cardiff.
1: Cardiff overtime.
0: Oh, couldn't help yourself there could you I could have met now it's been a while I'm going to say Nottingham uh, and then we have two Challenge Cup fixtures as well which will be next Wednesday obviously because we're recording the Thursday we'll add those in so we've got Sheffield Glasgow in Sheffield shall we go scoring well winner on the night and winner on aggregate
3: Sheffield, I hope.
0: Sheffield for both.
1: Yes, yeah, Sheffield for
0: both. Yeah, and Sheffield for both, for me as well. Uh and then obviously Nottingham, Cardiff in Nottingham.
3: Oh. I think Cardiff.
0: Cardiff.
1: I said it earlier on, so I'm sticking to it. Nottingham.
0: I said it earlier on, so I'm sticking with it. Cardiff. <laughs> <Got
1: it. laughs> <laughs> like we mentioned, there were three to one in favour of Cardiff, and it's out two all. Oh, that's changed.
0: Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> it'd be good though, because when it comes round to it next week, I could like rewind it to the point of the podcast where I said Cardiff or Nottingham, and it'd be like, look, I was right. <laughs> 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 Uh, the last thing then, gents, there's no more predictions there, all the games. So we go over to Mr. Andy Stafford for Stafford Stories.
2: <laughs>
3: I'm going to get you a theme tune. Please do. That'd be amazing. Uh <clears throat> It's getting to a point now where I'm I'm trying to unlock you know mem- mem- good memories and things to sell, but there has been a lot really that I've I've told. So I think I think this week until I can think of some more from the deepest memories, I'm going to give you Stafford stats today.
0: Well, that's a letdown. And thank you very much for listening to episode five. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm shining, all right? There we go. <laughs> really? <laughs> Change the light bulb Yeah, I think I need to. Um, okay, so two stats for you. Uh, Energy saving. Oh, yeah. Come on, a Okay, uh, first stat for you is 5-Carlo uh, Finucci. He needs one point to become the franchise's top point scorer in the Elite League era. He currently sits 38th uh, in the top scorers league chart, and Glasgow Clan need one win for 300 wins in all the IHL competitions.
0: Sounds so they should have that by uh, three seasons time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there you go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Califucci was mentioned as getting that point on
3: Sunday, unless it's doing oh, moves from don't
1: the. Tell I'm,
3: I had it was I'm, more recent.
1: I thought it was what Andy said. I think he's won away.
2: Unless he removed it from the game sheet.
1: Unless he got sure confused with Danny Gauthier. Very simple no. for him to do. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. He's found bay. Found oh. bay. Secretly. Do you know?
0: Do you know what was great? I mean, everybody's face dropped when we realised we weren't getting Stafford stories. But I've never seen Greff look more disappointed than when that <laughs> took a turn to go towards Fife. <laughs> it was literally like Stafford starts, and we were all sat on the edge of our seats, thinking, "What are you going to say?" And then it was, "Did you know Carlo Finucci a Fife? And as soon as Fife was said, Greff's face just dropped.
3: <laughs> <sighs> just
2: don't mention it all the time against I that. Think-
0: I think we can certainly say that Gref was hoping that um, that five didn't come up on that <laughs> one.
1: Why, why not
2: overtime, Gref? <laughs> Cause it's always Calof that scores in overtime against us.
1: What oh, is, play- is like in the playoffs?
2: Playoffs, and the last time they won a game in the league. Against Just- your
0: guys? Yep. Just out of interest, by the way, after a game where Carlo Finucci manages to score in overtime against Manchester, do both teams manage to successfully stay on the correct sides of the ice?
2: <laughs> Our own ice, oh yeah.
0: Brilliant. To be fair, <laughs> if it was in your building, you wouldn't be able to tell them the webcast anyway because it's filmed on a potato. i so.
3: will <laughs> try to get a story yeah. next week, don't worry. Don't disappoint
0: us. Don't disappoint us. Otherwise, Grant's gossip is going to be taking over.
3: Oh, hell no. <laughs>
1: raise, raise the bar, mate. <laughs> Ball's in your court.
0: I think we might change it. If we, do, you know, if, do you know what, Andy? If, if, if Stafford's stories becomes obsolete, we're going to have to have Grant's grinds my gears. <laughs> that would
1: be <laughs> amazing <section> oh. amazing <laughs> to the podcast. What really irritates me, that would be amazing bit to add to the podcast, for already lengthy one.
0: I'd say I'd say we could have Greth ideas my gears, but it'd just be Fife.
3: Dutton's discussions and
0: Joe's jabber.
3: No, no. what was it? I, I, I thought the <laughs> other day, and I've completely forgot about it. it will come to me. will come to me.
0: Okay, we'll just stay on the podcast for another hour while okay. Andy thinks. One um, part. so the weather's been good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, gents, I think it's about time to wrap up uh, this week's episode. So, Dave, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Gref, Thank you, Andy. Even though you let us down with the lack of story, and uh, to everyone else listening, uh, thank you very much uh, for giving up your time if you're still here. Well done.
0: I feel like at this point we just need to have like congratulations come on. <laughs> can, you, can you just imagine as our outro video? Which says, thank you very. <laughs> yeah don't even lie everybody's hoping that that's the situation oh yes to one more Gref thank you very much sir.
2: thank you very much for having me hopefully this has been a, a good episode for everyone to listen to oh
0: I thought you were going to say more then sorry um,
2: okay. you All hoped right. I was going to say more I hope oh,
0: you- oh well there we go And Andy, thank you very much. Uh, We are we are very disappointed at the lack of Stafford stories. So we're going to have to get this back.
3: Ivan, to say I'm sorry, but uh, I'm I'm not.
0: (laughs) I just hope you spend the next uh, the next week just reflecting on your time, and hope that you can come up with another Stafford story.
3: I I will do my best, and uh, Ivan hope uh, hope not not let you down.
0: Fair play. Well. uh, we will have to see John then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yep. Thank you very much, Joe, for having me. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Gref. Thanks for listening. You're very yep. welcome.
0: Thank you to everybody listening to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.